HR Trends is a weekly podcast featuring interviews with leading experts in the field of human resources. Produced by Unum, HR Trends draws from the deep bench of subject matter experts at Unum, as well as industry partners and national HR thought leaders. This program is not intended to constitute legal advice, and it's for general educational purposes only. If you need legal advice on a particular situation, please contact your own attorney. Welcome to HR Trends, a podcast that features the industry's leading experts discussing complex HR policy, compliance, best practices, and people management. I'm your host, Claire Morin, and my guest for our first series is Ellen McCann. Ellen is a national thought leader on leave management in the US, and she's the Assistant Vice President Legal Counsel at Unum's Employment Law Group. So welcome, Ellen. Thank you, Claire. How are you today? I'm good. And so we're back this week. Um, You know, last week we did episode three of the HR Trends podcast where we pivoted our very new podcast away from our initial topic, which was walking through the Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA, and talking about some best practices. You know, in the midst of, of launching that podcast, the coronavirus just swept into the United States and just completely upturned everybody's lives and changed everything dramatically. So we last week did an episode, episode number three, where Ellen essentially walked us through the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, which was passed by Congress. So if you haven't listened to it yet, I recommend you actually go back an episode to episode three and listen to that first, because she sets out the landscape of the two major components of this law. She explains what they are, all the details, and then unpacks it using very easy to understand real life scenarios. So that will give you a really useful framework, a a kind of grounding for today's show, where we're going to be diving into some pretty granular details. Because in the last few days, the Department of Labor has been very busy putting out guidance to help employers understand the more, you know, much more detail about when this law goes into effect on April 1st. So by listening to episode three, that will help give the groundwork. And then today we are going to dive into some of those FAQs. We have the link to it, to the right page on our show description. Um, And Ellen, uh, could you perhaps just then give us this overview of what you're seeing in those FAQs? So the FAQs are really answering a lot of questions that many employers and employees had when the law first came out, because the law itself, it was very, very lengthy, but the sections that dealt with emergency FMLA and emergency paid leave were were fairly short. And so there were a lot of questions. And I I think the DOL has done a fantastic job of anticipating those questions or fielding those questions and coming out and answering some of the the most common questions. And I would say if we group those most common questions, really one is how do I determine if I'm a covered employer? Um, And two is what happens if I have some type of change in my employment status of my employees Perhaps I need to furlough people or I need to cut their hours. Um, How does this new law work in those situations and those ever evolving situations? And so there's some really good, helpful information out there that answers those questions. So let's begin with the uh, eligibility or the employer sort of eligibility side. So how do I know if I have 500 employees? 
they've issued right. more so, guidance here, yeah. Exactly. So for the purposes of this new law and today, everything we're going to talk about today relates back to that Family First Coronavirus Response Act, which is the new federal law that we talk about in our prior episode. And that law is only applicable to employers, when we're talking about private employers, who have less than 500 employees. One of the open questions in the law is, how do I know if I have 500 or more employees? At what point in time do I determine that? And what the DOL has said in their guidance is, that employer threshold count is measured as of the date the employee uses leave. And so it's a little bit different from what we're used to under the traditional FMLA. But basically, when an employee is going to be using a day of leave under the new federal act, the employer has to count whether they have five less than 500 employees. The way they count employees is the same as they do for traditional FMLA. However, again, that threshold number is different. It's less than 500. So the employer is going to look and see how many employees do I have on my payroll? Uh, U.S. employees only. They're not counting expatriates. Um, and so any employee on the payroll counts towards the 500 or the less than 500 threshold. But an employer also has to consider any temporary employees who are assigned to work for them. Even though those temporary employees are not on their payroll, they are considered to be joint employees under a DOL standard, and so they would have to count them as well. But what's really important and what has really been uh, clarified is the time to count is when your employee is actually taking leave. And so clearly, you know, fast moving situation from the federal response and for everybody's experiences out there living our lives, you know, there's um, so much uncertainty right now and, and furloughing is being occurring. So how does this apply to employees who are furloughed? How does this legislation sort of impact them? So employees who are furloughed, there are really two different issues that come out of this. One is, do they count as employees for the employer when they're determining if they have 500 or less than 500 employees? Um, and the answer is yes, they do. So any employee who's on leave of absence is an employee who counts towards the employer count. And that's really confusing a lot of people because <clears throat> employer count is very different from employee eligibility. So when we talk about whether that furloughed employee is eligible for leave under either the emergency FMLA or the emergency paid sick leave, that employee is not an eligible employee to take time off under these new federal laws because the employee is not required to work work. So anyone who's mm. not required to be at work is not going to be entitled to emergency FMLA or emergency paid sick leave because those two programs are designed to help people who are supposed to be coming to work, but they cannot come to work because of some reason that is related to COVID-19. So if the employee is on a furlough, they're still an employee for purposes of counting them. They're still on the employer's payroll, even if they're not actually receiving a check, but they are not entitled to leave because they're not supposed to be coming to work. Right. And it gets back to that issue with the FMLA, which we actually discussed in our first two episodes. If you need a refresher on basic FMLA um, sort of practices, that there are the different rules for the employer versus the employee. Um, okay, that's helpful. Thank you. What about, does this apply if your business is closed or, or going to close? 
Right, so there's specific FAQs around closures. Uh, so if my business is closed, then I am not entitled to leave because once again, I'm not supposed to be coming to work. Um, so if my business closes, let's say my office closes, and what's very specific is it covers whether my office closes because we don't have any work left, because of you know whatever it might be going on in the economy, or if the business had to close due to some type of federal or state mandate or, or local mandate that we're not an essential business, so we have to close. So in either of those situations, if the business is closed, the employee is not entitled to either emergency paid sick or uh, leave because again, they're not required to come to work. Now, a little bit outside the scope of our episode, but I wanna remind everyone that in those situations, the employee would be entitled to unemployment, right? right? Because there's no work for them. They're not supposed to be required to come to work. But our focus today really is on emergency FMLA and emergency paid sick. Neither of those would be available if the employer's business is actually closed. Right. And so that's a really helpful just a reminder that if this is your situation, there are other resources to look into there. Great. So what about are all the regular or traditional FMLA terms still going to apply? That was there were some updates around recommendations there, I believe. There were some updates, Claire, and really the the congressional kind of philosophy towards this, which the DOL has reminded us of in their latest FAQs, is that the regular or traditional FMLA rules and definitions will still apply unless they're specifically called out as being changed by this law. So some of the places where they're specifically called out as being changed is what's the definition of employer? And we've already talked about that. The other is what's the definition of employee as far as what, uh, how long does the employee have to work to be eligible? Those types of things have changed. But a lot of this really is going to show that the regular, quote unquote, regular FMLA still applies. So for instance, one clarification we just received is um, the emergency FMLA will apply if the employee's child's school or place of care is closed and the employee has to take leave to care for them. Now the law itself says minor child, so under the age of 18. One of the things that the DOL just clarified is that the definition of child, or it's actually son or daughter in the FMLA, is still going to apply here. So it is certainly, in more, more often than not, a minor child, so a child under the age of 18. But there is an exception in the FMLA which will continue to apply to emergency FMLA, and that is if a child is 18 or older and they're incapable of caring for themselves because they have a disability. Parents will be able to take emergency FMLA and emergency paid sick if they have an adult child who meets the definition under regular FMLA. So an example here would be, let's say the employee has an adult child, maybe they're 35 years old and they have a significant disability. And typically that employee's child goes to a place where they are taken care of during the day and then they come back home at night. If that place of care is now closed and the employee has to care for that adult child who is incapable of caring for himself or herself because of that disability, that will also be a covered leave reason under emergency FMLA. So Ellen, how does this work with existing leave programs? Perhaps, you know, um, 
employees or employers are wondering like can I take PTO like do I need to provide this form of leave how how do they work together Right. And so this is a brand new entitlement that employees have. And so if an employer already provides a generous paid leave program, the DOL has been clear that those terms will not satisfy the requirement of providing both paid sick leave and emergency FMLA. And so an employer will have to provide these new rights to their employees starting on April 1st. However, the employee is going to have some choice if maybe they have, they're lucky enough to have more than one benefit available to them. So they have the emergency sick leave, perhaps their employer already had a very generous paid time off program. The employee has a choice as to how to use those benefits. And the employee typically cannot use them at the same time, right? But if the employer wants to agree to allow the employee to use multiple benefits on the same day, the employer has the ability to do that, provided the employee doesn't make more than 100% of their pay. So a great example would be, let's say you have an employer who has a very generous PTO program, and the employee is out for a leave reason that would provide them with two-thirds of their pay in emergency paid sick or emergency FMLA. The employer and the employee can agree to allow the employee to use that emergency paid sick or emergency paid FMLA, which would give them two thirds of their salary. And then the employee can use PTO to make up the difference between that benefit and 100% of their pay. Now, again, that can only happen if both the employer and employee agree to allow it to happen. So the employer can't force the employee to take PTO either instead of or in addition to these benefits, and the employer has to agree to allow the employee to do that. One of the things we're seeing is quite a few employers are allowing employees to take more than one form of benefit on the same days, but again, the employee can't receive more than 100% of their pay, um, and they do have to have their employer's permission or agreement to take more than one kind of benefit at the same time. Okay, great. And thank you, Ellen, so much for unpacking this Uh help simplify. As I mentioned, we are including a link to the FAQs on the Department of Labor website on our podcast show description. Um, we also do have a email address, hrtrends at unum.com. We've got a voicemail. You can ring us. Um, we, we might play your message on air. If you give us permission, you'll have to listen to our voicemail first. <laughs> um, but we'd love to hear from you. Really, we are really here to help answer questions. So please do get in touch and we'll do our best to really address the, the top of mind issues. Next week, we hope to cover some of the um, response from the, the state, the various states, and, and what are the resources that are available. So that's our plan right now. Um, but we will be uh, sticking to this sort of weekly cadence uh, to help sort of unpack recent updates. So thank you, Ellen, so much. Stay safe and look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you, Claire. Unum is a registered trademark and marketing brand of Unum Group and its insuring subsidiaries.